Chapter 1 How to be heard through those soundproof walls of the parent-adolescent relationship Knowing what we want to say and knowing how to say it so that it can be heard are very different things. This difference will never be more pronounced than in these teenage years. Just as there are immense changes to the teenage brain and associated impact for the behaviours and capacity to relate to and connect with others, there are also changes to the various parts of the parenting self that require closer examination and reflection. If you have read my first book on parenting in the zero to seven years, it is likely some time since you have done so. Or perhaps you are joining me at this stage of parenting and have not seen or done a parental self-audit previously. For this reason, I am including it again and encourage you to pause and do this exercise now before you read on. Parental self-audit Start by asking yourself some questions. The important thing is to answer as fully and honestly as you can, noting if there is something you feel requires further reflection or support to deepen your understanding. For some of us, this further reflection will be a personal, contemplative process. For others, we may benefit from meeting with a suitably qualified professional who can support us in working through these blocks. It is important that your reflective process leads to practical actions you can take to address any blocks you might be experiencing. The play and communication techniques detailed throughout this book will help you with this part of your process. Note that this is not in any way intended to be a psychological measure or assessment tool. It is purely for personal and self-reflective use. These questions might include... What was growing up like for you? In what ways was your relationship with your mother similar to or different from your relationship with your father? How were you disciplined as a child and how did this make you feel at the time? How do you feel about it now? Who played with you as a child? Do you have memories of your parents playing with and or singing to you? Can you recall a specific time this happened? What was the game or the song? How did it feel when they played with or sang to you? If they didn't, how does that feel to you now? And how might it have felt to you when you were young? Did you lose someone important to you through death or moving away? Who was this person and what was their role in your life? How were your successes celebrated in your family when you were a child? How were your disappointments managed in your family when you were a child? Did you have important adults in your life outside of your immediate family? Who were they? In what ways were they important to you? Did you ever feel unloved or unwanted by your parents? What impact did or does this have on you? Do you remember the first time you had to separate from your parents for at least one day and one night? How did this feel for you at the time? What was it like when you returned to your parents? What would happen when you were sick, so sick you had to stay off school, for example? 
what would happen when you were hurt, such as falling and cutting your knee. When you think of someone who provided you with comfort and nurture, who comes to mind? Did you feel loved as a child? By whom? What is your saddest memory from your own childhood? What is your happiest memory from your own childhood? When did you realise that you loved your own child? Do you still love them? Name three things that you want your child to grow up believing above anything else. Now write a list of five things that bring you pleasure. These should be things that are about you, not about your child or how they might bring you pleasure. Your list might include things like swimming, running, football, golf, painting or art and crafts, dinner with friends, a hot stone massage, blow dry, facial, nail treatment, haircut, hot towel shave and so on, a night away alone with your partner. Now ask yourself, when was the last time you got to do each of the things that bring you pleasure? Can you build time into your week to ensure that you do at least one of these things each week? If you can't, ask yourself what needs to change in order for you to be able to do this. Next, consider how you are currently parenting your child or children. If you have more than one child, you will have to repeat this for each child. Every child is different and how you parent each of them will also be at least slightly different. Ask yourself the following questions. Do I find opportunities each day to tell my teen that I love them and that I am proud of them? Do I give my teen opportunities to practice independence? Am I developing these opportunities in line with their development? Am I able to be firm yet gentle with my teen when necessary? Am I safe, predictable, calm and consistent in how I interact with and respond to my teen? Do I follow my teen's lead where possible but take charge when necessary? Do I have the opportunity to laugh at least once a day with my teen? Does my teen feel that I enjoy them? Do I seek to know the best bits of my teen's day and what bit of their day they would like to change? Do I encourage my teen to try new things and to take appropriate risks? Do I praise their efforts over any outcomes? Do I show empathy when my teen seeks my help or support or protection and comes to me for comfort? Did I experience repair and recovery following a rupture with my teen today? Perhaps not every day. Am I playful with my teen for 15 minutes each day? Do I ensure that I affectionately say goodnight to my teen each night, no matter what else has or hasn't happened? A parental self-audit is not a one-time reflection. This is an exercise that you can and should repeat as your child grows up. Deepening our awareness of and insight into our parent selves is a valuable, ongoing and ever-evolving process.
The journey from being a child of a parent to a parent of a child brings up a lot of stuff for all of us. At this stage of parenting, you are also drawing from your lived experience of being the teenager of a parent to being the parent of a teenager. This is why the parent self-audit is worth repeating now, alongside reflecting on each of the parts of our parent selves. Parts of our parent self. Our parental core instincts. Lean in, lean out. We have to want closeness and connection in our relationship with our children, truly want it and truly value it in our lives. Intimacy is something that we develop within a trust-based connection that can withstand and survive and even thrive within the dance of attachment as it evolves throughout our lives and over the course of our relationships with others. There will be times with everyone in our lives, even our closest and most intimate relationships, when we find it easy to lean in and when we feel the need to lean out and away from them. Scanning for sense. When we are connected with our children or others in our lives, we find it easy to scan them and make sense of what they are thinking and feeling. We mentalize what another is thinking and feeling and how that makes us think and feel. More on that later in chapter 6. We do this by assessing and interpreting the other person's nonverbal communication more than their verbal communication. This allows us to feel what is happening in the moment with those we feel close to. Shared joy. In order to sustain something, we have to enjoy it, at least to a degree. This is also true of our relationships and important connections with others. We have to experience pleasure and joy within the relationship to sustain and in these years, fight for it. This feeling of shared joy is a felt sense of safety and security in the relationship, whereby I enjoy you enjoying me and it gives a child or young person the skills to find and forage joy in their own relationships. It releases dopamine, a happy hormone in the brain. Interpretation and translation. We make sense of the behaviour of others as we experience it. That is to say, we decide what the meaning and motivation of the other person's behaviour is in terms of how it resonates and makes sense to us. We have to look deeper at what our frame of reference is for this meaning, our own experiences of being a teenager and being parented as a teenager. Functioning over feeling. To constantly reach out to another and not have them lean in towards you or avail of what you are constantly making available to them is intensely frustrating and disappointing. Repeated and prolonged experience of this emotional rejection of you by your child can contribute to a sense of functional relating over emotional, feeling-based relating. This is a sense of, I will provide you with food and lodgings, but beyond that, I am done. Functional care alone does not enable a person to thrive and cannot fuel emotional growth and development. We need those over and above care strategies too. The hugs, the smiles, the I love yous, 
the belief, the desire, the conscious intentions all make a difference. The teenage years will really test this aspect of your parenting. 15 minute exercise. Bring to mind two words that you would use to describe yourself as a parent. Reflect on how these same two words relate to your own parents. Do you see them as being connected to how you were parented or are they perhaps a conscious choice to parent in a very different way to how you were parented? How does this make you feel now? Getting heard can be a major challenge now and if this is something that strikes a chord with you, take some time to reflect on how you speak as a parent. Do you find that you speak at or with your child? Do you know how to tell the difference? How to avoid a fix or change agenda. To strengthen and enhance your emotional connection with your teenager, ensure that you avoid assuming a fix or change agenda with them. A meaningful, emotional connection with your child requires a complementary intention. You both have to want a happier and more harmonious relationship with the other. This being said, bear in mind that they are the teenager and you are the adult, so you will, more often than not, be driving this connection intention. Speaking at your teenager involves lecturing them. Lectures do not work. Ever. This is because a lecturing approach might initially grab their attention but will not sustain it. Lecture mode evokes defensive responses in your teenager. These might be overt and stated loud and clear, you never listen to me, or involve more non-verbal communications such as eye-rolling, sighing, picking up an object such as a phone, TV remote or magazine to flick through, or physically blocking such as turning away from you or even leaving the room entirely. Lectures are preached and assume a moral authority. They are mostly aimed at controlling the young person or exerting a conscious influence over them and this will elicit frustration and potentially shame which can only reduce their engagement with you and fuel disconnection. They will tune you out. Before you know it, you are 10 words into your speech and they have relegated you to white noise. You are now yelling into the wind. It is not landing and you are not being heard.